from WNYC Studios. I'm Brian Lehrer. This is my Daily Politics Podcast. It's Monday, February 26th. I got a promotional mailer recently from the conservative Hillsdale College in Hillsdale, Michigan, advertising their school and looking for donations. The very first line of the letter says, if we're going to save America from the growing threats of socialism, transgenderism, and Marxism, there's only one way we can do it, education. And I thought, okay, fine, a college that offers an education based on political conservatism, they're allowed. We're a politically diverse country. It's a private college. People can get educated in the context that they choose. But then I thought about that opening sentence, and I thought, which one of these does not belong? Which one of the three things that they claim they're trying to save America from? Socialism, Marxism, and transgenderism. Now, socialism and Marxism, you can believe in them or not. Okay, fine. But transgenderism, how you experience your own body as an ism, a belief system, a political philosophy, that's just hate speech to my eye. It's like saying we should save the country from left-handedism or blue-eye-ism. The trans people I know didn't choose what gender they experienced themselves to be by weighing competing isms like some audience member in a political debate. So here's a college that's fundraising off the idea that one of the three big threats to the country is a belief system that isn't a belief system. Maybe they should be saying our college helps make America safe for otherism, labeling people who are different from the majority or different from you as threats to the social order. I had a similar thought when I saw the news last week that the Nassau County executive on Long Island, Bruce Blakeman, banned transgender girls and women from playing in school sports on any Nassau County athletic facilities. That's around 100 ball fields, ice rinks, and other facilities. Blakeman said, quote, There's too much bullying going on of biological males trying to inject themselves in female sports. It's wrong, and it's a form of bullying, unquote. Now, maybe there's a question of how to deal with trans women athletes because people born as boys are bigger on average. There are men's and women's divisions of major sports because of that, and maybe that's a conversation among people of goodwill. But to call it bullying is just hate speech to my eye. A transgender woman or girl is just a transgender woman or girl who wants to play ball. Someone who experiences their own body as they experience it. They're not boys pretending to be girls so they can bully girls by playing field hockey or softball or running in a track meet. There are much easier ways that boys can bully girls. In fact, county officials in Nassau County, then said they don't even know of any examples, not one, of a transgender girl on a Nassau County team. And yet, Blakeman said he'd been thinking about issuing the ban for months. The county has lots of actual problems he can deal with, but he chose a non-problem to make a big announcement about. Now, I have a theory. It's about helping Republican candidates win elections in contested Long Island districts this year, Because this kind of hate speech actually sells right now to a certain percent of the the population that's meaningful. That's just a theory. 
So Hillsdale College is saving America from an ism that isn't an ism, and the Nassau County Executive is saving Long Island from an epidemic of bullying that they can't even cite one example of because transgender human beings have become political and religious targets of 2024 American politics. Hate speech, othering some of our neighbors, putting targets on their backs, masquerading as saving society from things that don't even exist. Well, who is being bullied are trans kids, some of them to death. A case in Oklahoma shines a light on this matter. 16-year-old Nex Benedict, who identified as non-binary, died after being beaten up by three older female students in a girls' bathroom in Oasso High School in Oklahoma. Activists are pointing to Oklahoma's SB 615, which prevents trans students from using bathrooms that align with their gender identity, is one culprit in the case. Another being far-right activist Shia Raychik, who's more known for running the account Libs of TikTok on X, which has amassed 2.9 million followers by ridiculing visible or outspoken LGBTQ people putting a target on their backs. Let's talk about this with Alejandra Caraballo, clinical instructor at Harvard Law School's Cyber Law Clinic. Alejandra, thanks for coming on. Welcome back to WNYC. Thanks for having me. Is transgenderism a thing? No, it's absolutely not a thing. It's a, it's a term that's used to dehumanize trans people and reduce our existence to an ideology. Do boys, people born boys who become trans girls or women, do they join sports teams so they can bully the other team's girls? Absolutely not. They're just playing for the same reasons anyone else is playing, for an opportunity, a chance to compete, an opportunity just to experience being on a team with other people and playing with their classmates. Um, you know, this particular uh, uh, executive order in Nassau County is is so incredibly broad uh, that it would apply to a girls' chess team that was using a Nassau County um, facility. And, that, and that's exactly the kinds of things we've seen. I think a lot of people tend to focus on kind of the more physical sports, such as basketball or or softball or things like that, or swimming. Um, but in reality, this can be incredibly broad. It can, uh, we've seen attempts to ban trans women from uh, fishing, from pool um, uh, or um, billiards, uh, as it's also called. Uh, and so what, what this really is, is it's not, not really about fairness in sports at, at all. It's really about excluding and otherizing uh, trans people in general. For you at Harvard Law School, uh, can you give us a legal analysis of what this county, it's an executive order, uh, what this executive order would actually permit or not? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's incredibly broad. It, it explicitly only applies to trans girls playing in sports, but since um, it applies to any county facility for any uh, team that holds itself out as being for girls, um, like I said, it can apply to a, a, a team of five-year-olds playing, you know, t-ball um, at any county facility. So it, it doesn't take into account anything beyond just uh, gender identity, which would violate the Gender Expression Non-Discrimination Act, which was passed in uh, 2019 um, and signed into law. 
Additionally, it violates the human rights law. It violates the Equal Protection Clause of the U.S. Constitution. Um, and you know, as you mentioned, there there's you know potential considerations like uh, you know things like needing a doctor's note or other things that we could implement as reasonable um, limitations. But this is not that. This is just a flat-out ban. And if you know a trans girl who has got never gone through a male puberty and has transitioned, has been you know living her life as trans uh, since she was four or five years old. Um, you know, if she's 13 and wanting to compete on on the swim team, you know, they're saying, oh, well, she can compete on the boys team, but that that's going to out her. That's going to cause humiliation. And instead of, you know, and on top of that, because they've never had through any male puberty, they have none of the advantages that, you know, or that people will say they would have. And so um, really, this is about just otherizing trans people and putting them out there to to bully them and and to really bring harm and concentrate it for political points. Is there, is, and you're a law professor, you're not a sports coach or a sports writer, but is, is there somewhere in there a legitimate question of how to deal with trans women athletes that's, you know, a subtler conversation that's worth having because people born as boys are bigger on average, you know, I read the average height of an NBA player is six six. A WNBA player six one. Uh, no woman has ever beat the first place man in the New York Marathon. You know, you could go on. Is is there some conversation that doesn't include all this all this hate uh, that's yeah, real I'm there? Absolutely. There's always room for, for reasonable conversation. And these these had been going on for years before um, kind of this moral panic around trans people uh, really became kind of mainstream over the last few years. For for well over two decades, you know, the 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 Olympics had allowed trans women to compete if they suppressed their hormones uh, for one to two years and took um, uh, feminizing hormones such as estrogen. And so there was constantly a look at the science that how much you know if they suppress testosterone or or um, have had gender uh, affirming surgery and they're on feminizing hormones for two or three years um, like how that you know affects their performance and there's ways to look at it and especially sport by sport because certain sports it may be more apparent than others and then there's also the question of trans youth who've never gone through a male puberty either because they went on puberty blockers and then went on feminizing hormones and so they don't have those advantages um, because it's really hormones that that really uh, uh, dictate a lot of the differences between um, girls and boys um, and so it's a very nuanced conversation and one that we can have particularly about specific sports and leaving sports particularly but you know, you can have that conversation about balancing fairness with um, participation um, without creating these kinds of blanket bans that ostracize and, and push out trans girls entirely from participating in any sports at all. You know, I was going to ask you next about Next Benedict, the 16-year-old non-binary student in Oklahoma who I mentioned in the intro, who died the morning after being beaten up by three girls in a high school bathroom earlier this month, but we have several callers who want to bring up a tragic situation much closer to home here in New York, and I'm going to take Jessamine in Brooklyn right now. Jessamine, you're on WNYC. Thank you for calling in. Thank you, Brian. 
Um, yes, I was calling because I, I am a member of the Panel for Educational Policy uh, and the parent of two trans students myself um, in the New York City Public Schools. And two days before spring break um, or the February break was set to begin, um, we learned of the horrific death of, by suicide of a trans student at my older child's high school, which is located in Community School District 2. Um, and I'm not sure if you're aware, but CEC2 currently seats two avowed transphobes. And, um, you know, there has been a lot of public outcry to remove these individuals, um, but the city has yet done nothing. And, you know, to date, we're sort of in this situation where, um, you know, we have active transphobes. Um, who uh, appoints or elects those people? Um, members of the CECs are elected by parents within a given school district. But, um, you know, if you followed any education reporting from last year, we know that there was historic low turnout in um, the CEC, the last CEC election cycle. So, you know, it, it's sort of widely understood that the CECs that are seated today are not necessarily representative of the constituencies that they represent. What makes somebody in that context a transphobe, as you label them? Um, they're public comments denying the reality of trans transness, um, describing it as confusion um, rather than an essential nature of a you know of a person, a, a lived experience. Jessamine, thank you for your call. I think we have another Brooklyn parent calling about the same incident. Uh, hi, you're on WNYC. Hello. Hi. This, are you? Yeah, it's Hi, you. how are you? I will do my best to keep it together like that last parent. I, I want to, out of respect for privacy, keep my name, um, you know. But I, sure. I too, am the, I'm the father of trans kids. And, you know, this environment, and my kid goes to the school where that, that tragedy occurred, this is a really loving environment. It's a really wonderful school, and it still happens. Was there something that was a bullying incident or a policy, something at the school level that you think contributed to her decision to die by suicide, to their decision to die by suicide? But we lost that caller. I think he said all he could say without losing it. And, oh, my God, Alejandra. Yeah. I I mean, it, this is just something that is just, like, it, it is so difficult to, to hear these stories because this is, you know, what we know is happening across the United States. Um, and I think it's a, it particularly telling, you know, the first parent who brought up the, the CEC and, and it coming from the, the, the top, it's, it's adults that are failing these kids. It's particularly adults in positions of power who are deciding to utilize tra uh, hatred against trans people in order to score political points. And the kids that are suffering are the trans youth themselves, who oftentimes don't have the kinds of support that we would want every child to have. And it's just so incredibly difficult to hear stories like that. And I, I've heard similar of, of others in other states, such as Montana, during legislative sessions, like even talking about these kinds of policies and enacting these kinds of policies can, it can exact tremendous psychological harm. Um, 
but I also just want to say, if, you know, to any other trans youth listening out there, like there are so many people fighting for you and trying to make the world a better, kinder place. And and don't don't lose hope. And there's plenty of resources such as the Trevor Project, um, you know, that you can reach out to if you're feeling like you you are having a really hard time. Um, and you know, I hope we can uh, give out maybe the number for for the Trevor Project or, or similar resources um, because it's just an it's an incredibly difficult time and we need to be able to support, you know, all, all the vulnerable children who are just going through it right now. One more call and then we're out of time. Allegra in Westchester, you're on WNYC. Hello, Allegra. Hi, uh, can you hear me? Uh-huh. We gotcha. Hi. Um, so I, um, I'm, I'm a relatively young adult, a relatively young queer adult. And the point that I just wanted to make about this is I think there's so much focus in the language um, regarding this topic about like the perceived differences in levels of competitive abilities between people who are, um, you know, the quote unquote assigned female at birth versus assigned male at birth. And that language almost always is centered around like professional athletes and athletic endeavors at the professional level. And I think it's just, important to realize that so many people who partake in athletic endeavors, like in this country, probably 99% of them will never reach a professional level. And um, uh, for a lot of kids playing on sports teams, the competitive outcome is not necessarily the point. The point is so much more centered around like teamwork and communication and friendship and, um, just like building sense of community. And I'm sorry, um, I'm getting very emotional. That's all right. Um, Take your time. But like as, as a young, as a, as a non-binary person who grew up playing competitive sports, I know how important having those avenues of connection were to me. And I made, you know, lifelong friends. And I think I, uh, you know, accumulated a number of skills that I'll keep with me for the remainder of my life. And I just wanted to make that point as well, that this is just like an avenue of social connection that we are ridding people, most of, many of whom are already feeling lonely and isolated and out of place, socially young adults, you know, due to the nature of their identities and the discrimination that they face. And I, yeah, I guess I just wanted to emphasize that is that I think, you know, this is such an important um, avenue and vehicle for social connection for me growing up and it just like devastates me from this perspective also that that is not something that's being made available to um you know a Everybody. number of kids yeah. also young adults you know around around the country today allegra thank you very much thank you very very much and i don't think we can top that so i think we're going to have to end it here which we have to anyway, more or less, because of the clock. Um, I'll just read one more text message about the Nassau County executive banning trans girls uh, um, from playing on Nassau County sports facilities. Listen to rights. This issue makes my blood boil. I am a parent of a trans woman, and I know of no person who has transitioned because they want to compete in sports. This is the most ridiculous, false narrative. Um, and, and his calling it bullying 
and this will be the last word, then I'll give out that uh, contact information for the Trevor Project, Alejandra. That's the part that's so over the top that I I wonder if it's even a, a winning issue or one that's going to backfire on him in Nassau County politics, saying that that they're joining sports teams as trans girls to bully people. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, the thing is, is that we we have examples around the country where people have run explicitly on this kind of anti-trans platform, and it's a losing one. Um, the governor of Kentucky just won re-election despite vetoing all of these kinds of bans on, on trans youth um, and standing up for trans youth. Uh, state Senate or Senate seats across the country in 2022. Um, uh, there was the governor's race in, in Michigan and um, Arizona, where, where both of the, the governors there um, were attacked for supporting trans youth. And the, the candidates bringing those attacks lost. Um, and so while this may be very good for motivating, I think, kind of the more um, extreme conservative base, it doesn't move the middle. It doesn't really change any votes. And so um, this is not an election winner. It may bring attention. It may get, you know, headlines, but it doesn't win elections. And I, I, I think this is one of those things that may, may backfire spectacularly here in Nassau County. So, folks, if you're looking for support as a trans or non-binary person, you can go to thetrevorproject.org, thetrevorproject.org, or call 866-488-7386, 866-488-7386. And we thank Alejandra Caballero from the Harvard Law School's Cyber Law Clinic for, for being our guest. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Brian Lehrer, A Daily Politics Podcast, is an excerpt from my live daily radio show, The Brian Lehrer Show, on WNYC Radio, 10 a.m. to noon Eastern Time, if you want to listen live at WNYC.org. Thanks for listening today. Talk to you next time.